All righty. We've been the last several weeks in the seed. Uh, I don't expect to end this anytime soon, you know, but sometimes the way the Lord will deal, uh, things uh, move a different way. But we're going to go back to some of the beginning scriptures we looked at. And eventually what we're going to get into is the inheritance of the seed. And maybe, maybe a, you could say to a point a little bit of that tonight. Inheritance is one of the main, uh, how do you say it, things that Christians look for. What is their inheritance? That's what Christians think about. What does my inheritance look like? What do I get out of serving the Lord? What does it mean to me? And it's, I think, a, a big deal in Christianity. Now, Israel, as a, as a seed, as a people, it was a big deal to them. Because God spoke from the beginning with, with Abraham about inheritance. Right from the beginning, inheritance was, was brought right to the forefront. So when you, when you begin to consider the Lord and consider the seed of God and consider the Israelites, there's an inheritance. Starts right from the beginning. So in Genesis chapter 13, I've got a bunch of scriptures. If I read them all, we'd be here for a long time, so I'm sure I won't get through them all. But we're going to get through some of them in Genesis 12. Verses 1 through 3, God tells Abram to get out of his country, out from his kindred, from his father's house into the land that he will show him. And verse 2, he says, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And then verse 7, he says, And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there he builded an altar unto the Lord who appeared to him. So here, here you hear the promises and the inheritance. If you... If you I, Divide it up. I don't even know if you should divide it up, but we'll do that. You got the promises God's going to make of Abraham a great nation. God's going to make Abraham a blessing to all the earth. And his seed is going to inherit the land. Okay. Now that's set forth in the Lord. And chapter 13, the very next chapter, the Lord says, verse 15. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. To me, that's uh, uh, interesting or a, or a powerful statement. The land that you see, I will give it to you, and to thy seed forever. And of course, we... Quote the scriptures everywhere your feet 
walk, everywhere you tread, that will be your inheritance. That's a, that's a common scripture quoted from the Israelites entering into the promised land. To me, all this has its relevance in Christ. I'm trying to keep from just jumping over there without establishing the, the scripture here. So when I look at this, I, I see a picture in Genesis of what God is saying to Abram, and it carries down through the people of the Lord, the Israelites. And it's like an unfolding revelation of how this is going to take place just like it is in Christ. We, we know in Christ from the, from the basic standpoint, and we dealt with this a few weeks ago, if I receive the Lord, I'm going to inherit a better place. We all know that. Everybody that's received the Lord has that understanding. But as the clarity of the word comes, we come to an understanding of the better place is him. We come to an understanding that, that really what we're believing into is him. So we come to a greater understanding of the place, right? And the Lord being the place himself. But that doesn't hit us all at once. And what I was seeing as I was looking through here with Israel, God never said everything all at once. Maybe everything was, maybe I should say it that way, maybe everything was conveyed in what he said. But the Israelites needed clarity to understand what God was saying. Unto thy seed will I give this land. Well, if I look at that on face value, that's pretty simple. You're going to get this piece of real estate. It's yours. And you're going to walk in it, live in it, inherit it, right? <clears throat> Excuse me. So, so that's a pretty simple statement. But now when I get over into Exodus, and we come to Sinai, and we got to come to Sinai. Now, now, no one wants to go to Sinai today, but we're going to go to Sinai. <laughs> because at Sinai, something powerful is said. What's said before there, but it's powerful here at Sinai. In, in Exodus 19, it says in verse 3, Exodus 19, verse 3, And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord God or the Lord called unto him out of the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, and tell the children of Israel, You have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bare you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. These are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of Israel. So now coming into picture is if you will keep my covenant. So when they went into the promised land, and we know this generation never went in, that the generation that came in was the generation after the generation being spoken to there at Sinai. But when they come into the promised land, they came in with the word of God. Why did they do that? Why did they carry that word? Why did they carry everything they had really starting in, in Egypt with God all the way into the promised land? Okay, They had to come to the door in the promised land. They had to go to the door in Egypt. 
They had to, they had to participate in the blood in the promised land. They had to participate in the blood in Egypt. But what this word that they were receiving at Sinai was going to do was to change their hearts and change their minds. Okay. Because we 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 kind of have a picture of the law today that the law was a bad thing. It was never a bad thing. Apostle Paul said it was holy and and uh, was the word of God. The bad thing was was you and I couldn't keep the law, right? That was the that was the bad thing, and righteousness couldn't come by the law. But the law itself was was the word of the Lord. It came out of the mouth of God and was was spoken to a people, and the people were to live in in that word in that in the statutes God gave that day. And that was what was going to change their heart and their mind. And and when you start studying this out, and you look through the book of Deuteronomy you will see a number of references where the Lord told them, if you keep my word, I'm going to drive out all your enemies. So the, so the, consequ- so the inheritance becomes conditional to the covenant. People like to say there's no condition. That's what, that's what people like to say there's no condition with God. But here with the Israelite, there's a condition with the covenant. Okay. And who, who made the condition? God did. God tells them, I'm going to give you this land. And then as, as it unfolds, as he comes, as they as he brings them out of Egypt, he puts this word in their midst and he tells them, You're going to keep this word because you're going to be my people and I'm going to be your God. Why did he put that word? Because they they probably weren't living in a great way toward the Lord. So the Lord put a word in their midst, which we know is the law, which we know is the Mosaic covenant. It was in their midst to change their hearts. That's what it was there for. So they would walk in a new heart and a new mind. They were no longer going to walk in the heart and the mind of Egypt. See, bringing them out of Egypt by itself didn't just change their mind. And you can, you can look at that in the scripture. When they come out of Egypt, they didn't walk out and say, hey, we're sons of God. We're going to live like sons of God. They didn't know what living like sons of God was like. We, we, we talked about this last few weeks. Israel is my son, my firstborn. So the Israelites didn't walk right out and say, hey, I'm a son of God. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm a son of God. They may have said that in their tents. <laughs> but they didn't know what that was like because the word had to be formed in them. You follow me? Now, what that word being formed in them is speaking of is Christ in you. Now, that's what it's ultimately speaking of. But that word had to become like Deuteronomy. Uh, I've got a lot in notes in Deuteronomy 4 and 6. And let's see. I'll, I'll read 4 first. And we start at verse 5. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 5. See, I have taught you statutes and ru- rules as the Lord my God commanded me that you should do them in the land you are entering to take possession of. Now listen to what he said. You will do them to take possession of it. Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the peoples. 
who when they hear all these statutes will say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? And what great nation is there is there that has statutes and rules so righteous as all this law that I set before you today? Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and to your children's children. Okay, so, so this word is significant, right? And then in verse 20, verse 20 of this same chapter, if you come down there, it says, but the Lord has, has taken you and brought you out of the iron furnace, out of Egypt, to be a people of his own inheritance, as you are this day. So here's a people to be God's inheritance. Okay? Then verse 23, take care, lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God, which you made with you, and make a carved image, the form of anything that the Lord your God had has forbidden you. So here you, you, you start seeing a picture here that this word, and it's all, all through Exodus and Deuteronomy, that this word is, is critical to their relationship with the Lord. Okay? It's critical. Israel lived unto God by a word. And that word came out of God. Came out of the mouth of God written on stones. It was an external word. It was the law. But they lived unto God in that word. They didn't live unto God any way they wanted to. They lived by that word. And God said as they possessed that word, they were basically going to possess the land. As they kept that word, you know, all their enemies were going to perish. And then Deuteronomy 6, I know Brother Bob knows this, uh, this well, I've heard him quoted a number of times. He tells them in Deuteronomy 6, if you turn there, verse 3, he says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that you may increase mightily as the Lord God of thy fathers have promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart, and thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou rousest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine head, and, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and on thy gates. And it shall be when the Lord thy God shall brought thee into the land which he swear unto, the fa unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give thee great and goodly cities which thou buildest not, and houses full of good things which thou fillest not, and wells dig which thou diggest not, vineyards and olive trees, which thou plantest not, when thou shalt have eaten and be full, then beware, lest thou forget the Lord. So, so this word that God was placing in their midst 
was their relationship with him. That's what it was. And according to that relationship, I believe anyway, is how the milk and honey flowed. Okay? Because the milk and honey is flowing from God as they keep his word. Now you fast forward. Okay? We've not come to Mount Sinai. We've come to Mount Zion. So we've not come to this mountain that burned, but we need to understand this mountain that burned. See, see, it doesn't mean we don't understand it because God has given a word in the new covenant to live by. The greatest word he ever had. And John 1 tells you what it is. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. And the word was made flesh and dwelled among us. So what dwelled among us? The word. The living word. That's what, it, that's what Christ is, is the living word of God. So how we live as a people unto God is in this word. If I don't know this word, I might have a small understanding of my relationship with the Lord because I don't know this word. What do you mean, Brother Wayne? You might have a small understanding of relationship with the Lord. We talk about it all the time. Righteous. A lot of Christians today do not believe they are righteous, that they are right with God. Why do they not believe that when the Bible clearly tells them that? Why? Because they do not know the word. That's why. They do not have the intimate relationship with the word of God. I'm not talking they don't know the scripture. I'm talking about Christ revealed in their hearts. That's the word. See, the covenant from Sinai was word on stone. The covenant in Christ is Christ in your heart. It's a new covenant, new word. It's not word on stone. It's Christ in you. That's the covenant. That's the covenant we live in. And this word is unfolding in you and I. Why is it in you? Why, why is it not just outside of you, of God just speaking a word outside of you and you doing it. Why? Well, easy answer is you don't have the power to do that word. That word of life is a transforming word. It transforms my heart and mind. So, I don't think the same way I used to think about the Lord. Why don't I think the same way I used to think about the Lord? I still think he's God. I still believe that we're, you know, I, I don't believe per se we're going to a better place. I believe we're in a better place, but I still believe there's a better place. 
I still believe a, a lot of things. I still believe you must be born again. There's a lot of things I still believe, but there's a clearness of understanding that's come into my heart. And the clearness of understanding has changed my relationship with the Lord. And why the clearness of understanding has come into my heart is because the word is enfolding itself. The word is, is being made known. And the word is the covenant. The word was in the old covenant was so important because for them to come to the place of, of the lamb flowing with milk and honey, they were going to keep that word. If they didn't keep that word, then that lamb wasn't going to flow with milk and honey. <laughs> Jesus says to us, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. I think he's the milk and honey. <laughs> that, that from our being is going to flow the issues of life. It's going to come out of us, flow out of us. But it's going to come out of us as it's unfolded within us, as we know it. And so when I, when I look there at the Israelites coming into the land to take possession of the land, the, the word of God is the focus point upon them or within them, however you want to say it. It's the same with us, except the word of God is now a living word. The word of God is Christ in you. That's the word. That's why, that's why Paul, and we, and we dealt with it last week, says in Romans 6, no, you're not. As many of you have been baptized into Jesus Christ, have been baptized into his death. How could I ever know that? I didn't physically die there. How could I come to a living knowledge of being dead to sin? <clears throat> How's that possible? It's the power of the living word. It's the power of the spirit of God. That's how it's possible. Because God's word is alive in you. And his word is not just words on a page. It's the person the Bible spoke about from Genesis to Malachi that came in the man, Jesus Christ, is now revealed in our hearts. This is how we possess the land, is by him being revealed. What land do you possess? Well, at that day you'll know I'm in my Father, you're in me, and I'm in you. You possess the fullness of God in Christ. Amen. Now, what you mean, Brother Wayne, what did Jesus possess when he ascended back into the Father? He said, Father, glorify me with thine own self, with the glory that I had with thee before the world was. That's what he said. That's what he prays in John 17. He came out of the Father, it says in John 16, came into the world. Again, he left the world and went back into the Father. What does that mean? I believe he ascended up into what he was before he became a man. I believe John 1 tells us in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. He came out of God. He completed the work and he ascended back into God. And he brought a finished work 
into the heavens, into the spirit. And that's what John sees a lamb in heaven in the book of Revelation as he had been slain, a resurrected lamb that had been slain. That's what he sees in the book of Revelation because Jesus ascended back having finished the work and that work is forever settled in heaven. That work is, to me, the ministry of heaven. So when you're, when you're having heaven ministered to you, it's going to come out of death, burial, and resurrection because, because that's in the throne. That's in God. That's in God's own being because it was done in Christ, and he ascended back to the Father. But then Paul makes a statement in Philippians that we are to apprehend or comprehend, or he was saying he was seeking to comprehend that which he was comprehended or apprehended for. This, folks, I believe is our inheritance right here, is that we would comprehend what Jesus brought us into. That's our inheritance. That's the eternal inheritance of God. I, I didn't know I was going to go that far tonight. But, but that's it. We... are to know that of him. That we may get a hold. Let's, let's flip over to Philippians 3. Verse 7, Paul says, let you get there. Philippians 3, verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for, for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but done, that I may win Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable to his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I'd already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after that I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. <clears throat> then verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. See, this is the call. This is the on high call that we would know the fullness of God in Christ. That's the call. That's the on high call. That's what we're called to. Paul says it, we are called to the fellowship of his son. That's death, burial, and resurrection. That's a continual working in our hearts. 
That's why they kept going time after time to the tabernacle, to the temple. And they would come to the three feasts of the Lord. Death, burial, resurrection. Death, burial, resurrection. And that finds its meaning in the person of Jesus Christ. You, you can go do all the feasts. You can go to the Feast of Pentecost today. You won't find the meaning there because it served its purpose. This day was done. But I find that feast, that death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord over and over again conforming me to the image of God's Son because it's a living word. And we're possessing that as we know it. And folks, we have to stand in it. We have to stand in what God has shown us. And I believe we do. I don't mean that in a condemning way because I believe as we see this by the Spirit of God, we want to stand in it. Simple things. Simple things. Used to believe the church was a building I went into. What I used to believe. I went to church. I left the church. Now I believe the church gathers. I believe we're the church gathering tonight. So from that aspect, I believe there's churches because they gather, but the church is his body. The fullness of him that fills all in all. <clears throat> now you are the body of Christ. So who's his body? You are. Who's the church? This people that is called unto the purpose of God in Christ. And see, without seeing the word, you don't see the purpose. See, see, think what God said. I, I read it there in Deuteronomy with me for a moment. Just, just consider, I believe it's Deuteronomy 4. I'm going to see if I can find it here real quick again. He told them that when they go into the land that here it is. It's in Deuteronomy 4, and he's telling them that they are to do in verse uh, 5 that they're going to do that they are to do the word. In verse 6, he says, Keep them and do them, for that will be your wisdom and your understanding in the sight of the people. When they who, when they hear all these statutes, will say, Surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. Why? Because of the word in them, the word in their midst. Now, that was an external word. So what word is in our midst? The word of the Lord. The Lord himself. You could say the Lord who is the word. Is <laughs> in our midst. Unfolding himself. See, in John 17 to me, is, is one of the greatest declarations of our relationship with God there is. That they may be one as we are one. That's the mind of God toward us. But then how, the how, I in them, thou in me, that they be made 
perfect, complete in one. So we're formed in him, or he's formed in us. And maybe it's both ways. <laughs> that, you, you know, we say we're the potter, he's the clay. Right? We say that. But then Paul says Christ has to be formed where at? In you. In you. So, so, so there's an awareness in me of the living Christ. Not just Bible-toting people. I mean, I, I read the Bible all the time, so I'm not speaking against the Bible, but a people filled with the Word of God because Christ lives in them. And I don't mean anything ill with what I said, because I believe the Bible. I believe it's the Word of God. I believe it's the written Word of God, but it's speaking of the living Word of God who has entered our hearts and lives in us. And I think you should read the Bible all the time because it's going to declare the relationship you have with Christ. It's going to cause your mind and heart to turn to look at him. That's what I believe the Bible does. As you get in it to see him, you begin to turn your heart to see him. Your joy comes from seeing the Lord. That's where it comes from. My joy is seeing the Lord, seeing a people grow in the knowledge of Christ, not it, not just in a book knowledge, but in a knowing of him. That's your joy, is to grow in the knowledge of him. And how do we grow in him? We, we immerse ourselves in the living word. We begin, you know, I, we may not talk much about this, and maybe we should, we begin to declare the living word, what the living word says, we begin to declare it like the Israelites were to take that law and what, write it up on their dwelling. <laughs> we, we need to declare to one another, to ourselves, your new creation, creative God in Christ. Declare it to your path. We walk in the light of the Lord. You are darkness, now are you light. We are the light of the Lord. He's made us light. Because we're living in him. Yes. Anyway, <clears throat> I just see so much in the Israelites coming out and possessing the inheritance based upon keeping the word. I just see that. And as we see this revelation of Christ, I believe we agree with the Lord. You're dead to sin. You're dead to the law. You're dead to the old man. You agree with God. I believe that. You declare it in your daily walk. You declare it in your life. That's the word that's in the frontlets of your, of your eyes. That's the word that's upon your house. You live in newness of life.
and the newness of life is Christ himself. Just <laughs> like they declared the law, we declare him. Yes, because he is our life. Anyway, I'll stop here tonight. I thank you for your attention. Sorry for the the coughing uh, I've had. I've, I've uh, you know, I feel good, but I've had a little cough and so forth. I haven't felt the best uh, uh, yesterday, but today I feel pretty good. So uh, anyway, God bless y'all, and uh, I'll turn it over to Brother Mark. Well, I, I just want to thank you 